Welcome to the global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a spot in Ephesians chapter 6. We are going to do a deep dive in that chapter of the Bible today. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series called Turning the Tables. Now, the meaning of that is really simple, and it is just like it sounds. You see something going in the wrong direction, and you want to get the advantage back. You turn the tables, you get the advantage going in your direction, right? You see something going in the wrong direction, recognize it, confront it, that's the key word, right? And then turn it the other way. Now, we're talking about that in the context of our love for God and our identity in God. You see, God will call God's man to healthy confrontation in some dimensions of his life. And, and in part one, we learned, you know, we're gonna have to confront ourselves. Right? Sometimes that's the hardest of all, look in the mirror and to confront that guy, right? Sometimes we're going to have to confront others, other brothers, other believers, and, and, and that's a healthy thing. That's a loving thing. It's not a judging thing. Sometimes we have to confront injustice. We see people suffering, and they're due protection, compassion, right? And we have to enter into that, and we have to confront that because God loves righteousness and justice. In part four, last time, we learned that God's going to call us to confront lies. Why? Because lies come from a liar and a murderer, the devil. And truth versus lies is epic spiritual battle. And in today's session, we're going to see us uh, see how God calls us to confront evil. Um, and 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 it's a kind of that next level of spiritual warfare. Last week, we talked about truth versus lies. That's epic spiritual warfare. But now, we're talking about confronting evil itself. Evil, the evil one, expressions of evil. Just in two dimensions. How do we engage it? And what weapons do we have to fight it? And then getting intimate and training with those messages with those weapons. So I want us to turn to scripture. I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at a, at a key passage and we're going to really unpack it. All right. So we're going to camp here in Ephesians 6. I think we only have one other passage today. But I want us to see how the Bible talks about you and I turning the tables on evil. All right. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 12. Let's start there. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you see how the Bible says that we got to suit up, we got to gear up, we got to show up, and we need to turn the tables against evil, the strategies of evil, the evil one, and the whole organization, the dark powers and forces of this world. So let's talk for a second about what turning the tables on evil involves. Number one, it involves engaging the fight spiritually versus what? Naturally, right? In this short passage, it says that you need spiritual strength. You need spiritual power. You need spiritual armor to fight 
a spiritual battle. Again, versus what? Natural or human strength. Natural or human power. Natural or human armor or strength, right? It's like you can't show up to a fight uh, with a machine gun with a bow and arrow, right? Face-to-face, mano-a-mano, machine gun wins, right? Uh, same if you're at sea. You, you don't show up to a battle with a destroyer uh, with a pleasure boat, but yet that's kind of our attitude sometimes. We don't take evil seriously and we engage circumstances and we perceive everything naturally like, oh, this just bad things happen to good people. When many times there is an evil scheme behind some of the things that are going down. So uh, turning the tables on evil involves, number one, from the scripture, engaging the fight spiritually. Secondly, it involves engaging the fight personally versus what? Impersonally. I don't know if you've ever seen those Liam Nielsen uh, movies. Uh, where he is trained and he has special skills and I have a special set of skills. You do not want for him to make this personal, right? And isn't that the, 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 the thrust and energy of any good, you know, movie where there's bad guys and good guys is, you know, the bad guys either kidnap or take hostage or harm somebody that the person with special, special skills loves. And all of a sudden, that drive, well, listen, this fight with evil, it's personal. And that's why we engage it. But the scripture says, put on the armor so you can take your stand. You see, I have my context. I'm alive. I'm in a certain part of the planet. I'm in a certain profession, in certain set of relationships, certain family members, certain friends, a certain neighborhood, and I'm there, placed by God, so that I can take my stand in my moments, in my context. Guess what, guys? So are you. God placed you on the planet. You're alive right now. You're in a certain part of the globe. You are in a certain set of relationships, certain networks, certain companies, organizations, certain family situations. Why? So that you can take your stand. And if not you, in that specific context, then who, right? So we gotta take this personally. We put on armor so that we personally can take our individual stand, okay? Third, turning the tables on evil involves engaging the fight territorially versus what? Neutrally. When the, when the Bible says that we take a stand, that means no more and no further. Enough. That's what that means. You plant your back foot, you hold your position, and you say, what's behind me? You're not going to get. The territory behind me, you're not going to get. In fact, I might even advance the fight. I might even take territory back that you've taken, all right? That's the scale and scope of spiritual warfare. It's about territory. When, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it says the kingdom of God is, is advancing forcefully, and forceful men lay hold of it, all right? So you've got a king, a kingdom, a realm, 
and you have an evil realm and an evil ruler that wants to hold on and keep people in bondage. And Jesus said, the gates or the agenda of hell will not prevail against God's people or God's man. So we got to engage the fight territorially. We're in it to win it. Fourth, we got to engage the fight supernaturally, right? Versus what? Humanly. Right? The Bible says in this passage, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against supernatural beings, supernatural forces, supernatural schemes and strategies, right? But a lot of times we filter our what's happening to us or the challenges in front of us or the obstacles put in front of us as God's man or God's people, and we make it about people versus Make it about the real forces behind it. Now, can people be agents of expression? Can people be agents of evil? Certainly. But that's not the source, right? Especially when it comes to the plans and will of God going forward. You run into a stoppage there, man, and, and, and people are involved, look past the people, right? Even like Jesus would look past, like he even looked past Peter one time. He said, get behind me, Satan. Well, who was standing in front of him was Peter. But Jesus saw the lying and the, the fear that Satan was causing, and he said, get behind me, Satan. Wow. All right, so sometimes circumstances are circumstances, but with discernment, a lot of times circumstances are evil attacks against God's people. And so we have to engage the fight and see supernaturally what's going on in that dimension, all right? So there's kind of a foundation where we gotta engage the fight spiritually, personally, territorially, saying no more, no further, and engage it supernaturally, right? When our battle's not against flesh and blood, don't make it about people, there's forces in play. Lying to people, people believing those lies and behaving out of those lies, they're just, they're just soldiers in the battle taking orders, right? So the big question for every man listening to this global live stream and listening to me, wherever you are, is are you in it to win it? Because the Bible, very clearly in this passage, it's not like there's kinda spiritual warfare or there's sorta spiritual warfare. Right now, all around you and coming against your life is spiritual warfare right? Earth is war. There's world, flesh, devil. That's the unholy trinity. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each camp has its, its agenda that it wants to advance, and God's kingdom is going into the territory of the devil, operating in the tory, territory of the devil. So the question is, are you in it to win it? Do you believe in spiritual warfare? Do you believe in evil? Do you believe in the devil? Well, if you believe in a personal Jesus, you got to believe in a personal devil because a personal Jesus believed in a personal devil and he called him out. We're going to see about that in a sec. Now, just to get our minds right and thinking about this, because for some of you, it might be like a whole new thing. It's like, is this Harry Potter? Is this Star Wars? Is this, you know, Darth Vader? Is this uh, Voldemort? No, it's not. That's fantasy. This is reality. This is what God says. And so if we're going to fight it, we got to have the right mindset, and this passage next on your downloaded notes uh, will give you the right mindset. 2 Corinthians 10, 
3 and 4, it says, though we live in the world, that's our theater of battle, we do not wage war as the world does, right? The weapons we fight with, God's man, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. You catch that language? Oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's supernatural, it's powerful, right? It's territorial, it's all the things that we were talking about at the outset of this session. So you're in the world, but you're not of the world. You're on mission, you're special forces. You're, you, you, you love the king and you're a son of the king and you're on mission for the king. And in, 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 in this world, we don't fight the spiritual battle with natural weapons. We've got supernatural weapons, all right? And now let's go back to that Ephesians passage. We're going to pick up where we left off when we started today's study, talking about spiritual warfare. We first read verses 10 through 12 of Ephesians 6. Now we're going to pick up in verse 13. And, it, and verse 13 follows on that whole idea of be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor. Take your stand. Your battle's not against flesh and blood. Let's pick up now the, the action statement based on the reality of spiritual warfare and learn how we can turn the tables on evil. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you see this picture of a soldier gearing up, right? If he's going into battle, he has to get his gear on, all right? And we're going to unpack what we as men of God must, must possess to fight battles for God and in God and through the power of God against evil. Number one, we must possess truth, all right? Now, in the Bible, it talks about the belt of truth. And on a Roman soldier's body, that, that belt was sort of the key component on which other things were fastened to, right? It held everything that he would put on next up, right? And it was connected, but it was sort of like the core piece, all right? And in the spiritual battle, we have to possess truth. Why? Because if you're gonna fight evil, you have to fight lies. And in part four, we really went in depth on truth, versus lies. The greatest spiritual weapon that you have to fight the spiritual battle is truth, right? God's truth. It says right there on your notes, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, all right? You ever cinched a belt? Have you ever like pulled it tight so that it held up stuff? Truth holds up your life in God. Truth 
helps you take your stand against evil. It helps you stand firm. It gives you confidence. If you're if you you train in truth, right? The person of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk a little bit about later, the sword of the spirit. You train with truth. Um, you're going to win spiritual battles. That means you're comfortable and intimate and familiar with truth and reality versus what lies and wishing and hoping and and opinions and that type of thing. That's not going to get you anywhere, and that's not going to win any spiritual battles for you. So the first thing you must possess is you must possess truth. You got to train in truth, train in reality, right? Secondly, I must possess righteousness. And the picture after the belt is of uh, a breastplate or vest of righteousness. The Bible says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, all right? So to give you an image, just think of police officer, think bulletproof vest, think about by nature of his profession and identity, right? A bulletproof vest for a sheriff or police officer is a must-have. It's not, you know, an accessory that is arbitrary. Those guys got to wear bulletproof vests. So in battle, a Roman soldier, same idea, right? A Roman soldier has to put on his breastplate, right? Because it protects, you know, the vital organs, right? If he doesn't have the breastplate on, just a, you know, a three-inch penetration of the flesh can nick and cut his heart, he's dead, right? But with the breastplate, it might deflect, it'll save him from blows, arrows hitting him. He's going into battle, right? with the core, the belt of truth on which a lot of this stuff is attached to. He's going in with the breastplate of righteousness. Now, what does that look like? How do I possess righteousness? Well, to kind of bring it down to the low shelf, righteousness is simply living God's way. We train with truth, all right? We live God's way. That's our core protection of our heart, right? In the battle against evil, training in truth, living God's way. You're gonna win against evil, but it doesn't stop there. Number three, you gotta possess the gospel of peace. You gotta possess the gospel. I must possess the gospel. That is, I have to have a very intimate, simple, but strong understanding of the gospel. Well, what does that involve? The person of Christ? and the work of Christ. Let's say that out loud wherever you are. Say, the person of Christ. Now say, the work of Christ. If you understand the person of Christ and the work of Christ, you'll understand the gospel. You'll have the solid foundation of that, right? The person of Christ, he's God, all right? The work of Christ is that he died on a cross to forgive us of all our sins and create that that path that access to God through his death on the cross. And what do we receive when we receive Christ? We receive him as Lord, he's God, and we receive him as Savior. He's the person who died in our place and took our punishment so we could have our sins washed away so that we could relate to a holy God. And we say yes to those two things. We say yes to Jesus 
as Lord, and we say yes to his work for us as Savior. And when we say yes to that, we receive the gospel. Now, when we understand that, the Bible compares that knowledge of the person and work of Christ, the gospel, right? As like, like shoes, okay? And when you think about shoes and soldiers, you know, for a Roman soldier, he had to have, had to have those little leather shoes on and they had little spikes in the bottom, little kind of, they're kind of like mini cleats, but that would allow him to fight and get grip, right? I mean, grip is always better than slip. When you're, when you're fighting hand-to-hand. And in the battle with evil, what gives you grip is knowing who Jesus is, he's Lord, and know what he did, right? To create a relationship with God so we could experience the plan of God and experience eternity with God, all right? He died on a cross for our sins. He was the punishment. He took our punishment. He shed his blood, right? He died, he rose again right, and validated that he's Lord by rising from the dead. And so when we think of the gospel, think, man, that's our sure footing, okay? Also, when you are, when you are equipped with an intimate knowledge of what the gospel is in a simple and strong way, um, it's about confidence in the midst of anything. You know, shoes let you walk on terrain that you can't walk on in bare feet, right? You put, it's like, you know, your parents, you say, hey, put your shoes on. Why, why? Because you were going outside or maybe you were going for a hike or whatever. It's a lot easier to walk on certain terrain with a good set of shoes, right? In life, knowing the gospel, when you're walking through the, the broken glass of loss or the rocky road of difficulty or temptation or loss, man, the gospel, keeps your feet sure, keeps you on the path, keeps you from slipping, right? And it definitely allows you to engage and turn the tables on evil, all right? Now let's go down to the next part of our armor. I must possess faith. So we have truth, righteousness, the gospel. And then it says in the Bible, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, this is a a first century thing, right? It's a it's a it's a picture of battle, right? And um, you know, you have advancing armies, and then you have archers, and they have a, a ball of flame, and they dip their arrow in the, the oil, they light the flame, and then they all pull it back, and then they send these flaming arrows onto the enemy. And what does uh, a Roman phalanx do or a Roman troop do, they get next to each other and they raise shields, right? Da 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 da. The arrows hit. Now, flaming arrows are a little more scary than regular arrows because then they can set the shield on fire, especially if it is made of wood versus metal. And so, what the Romans used to do is they used to coat their shields in leather, and then they would wet the leather. So you go in, and here come the flaming arrows. The shields go up. They're coated in wet leather. The flaming arrow hits the wet leather, and it extinguishes. All right, now, got the picture? Listen to God's word one more time. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of 
the evil one. Okay, so, you know, uh, a suggestion, a lie, a temptation comes your way, you raise your shield, right? Your faith rises, right? The faith that is in you, the faith that defines you, your faith in Christ is like a shield, your faith in God. And we see Jesus raise his shield and belief in God when he's in battle against the devil in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, right? See, Jesus, how, what does it look like? He says, it is written, right? His faith in God is raised through speaking the word of God, right? And that suggestion of the devil when Jesus was tempted, you know, turn the stone into bread. The shield comes up, his faith rises. And his faith in God is represented by the word of God, right? And when he speaks the word of God, it extinguishes the missiles of the devil, right? And the devil has to move on, and then devil fires again. And Jesus' faith rises in him. He raises his shield of faith, his belief in God, his belief in what God says, and that extinguishes the flaming missile of the enemy. Maybe you're in a situation where you don't know what to do. You got to raise your shield of faith. You can sense something's going wrong or you sense you're going in a direction. Your faith in you has to rise. And the way it looks, if we look at the model of Jesus, is he speaks God's truth. There are some of you right now listening to me. You're in a situation you don't know what to do, or you're headed down the wrong path. Your shield of faith needs to come up. Well, what's it look like? Well, I'm going to go to the word of God. I'm going to find the truth of God. I'm going to raise that truth, and the lie is going to be extinguished against my shield of faith, which is the word of God. All right? So we must possess truth. We must possess righteousness. We must possess a simple and strong understanding of the gospel, the person and work of Christ. We must possess faith, and that faith must rise in the moment. Okay? And then next, we must possess a good helmet. Notice what the scripture says. It says, take the helmet of salvation. Can you imagine a Roman soldier going into hand-to-hand -hand combat and not taking his helmet? No, oh, it's like a helmet, good helmet, gives you confidence, right? I mean, I was just reading recently about an 11-year-old who had a helmet on, and by a freak accident, there was a car backing up and her head got, got under a tire and got ran over, but she had a helmet on. The helmet worked perfectly. Guess what she came out of that encounter with, right? A bruised face and a bruised elbow. Then juxtaposed, and they're talking about the value of helmets. There's an adult guy, he's just in his driveway and he's riding a skateboard, but he doesn't, he's not wearing a helmet. He falls off the skateboard major trauma to his head because cement is harder than your skull and he dies. So think about that. Got an 11 year old head run over by a car. Seems so, but good helmet saves her. And then you have a guy who's just messing around on a skateboard, no helmet. Guys, are you wearing your helmet? And it's, this isn't a safety speech. This is life or death, right? You going into battle, without a helmet on, and, and in the spiritual fight, you gotta take the helmet of salvation, right? What does that helmet represent? Gives you confidence in the battle. A Roman soldier had a helmet on, confidence, 
all right? We have a helmet on, when we have confidence that, you know, if our, our head hits something hard, at least we'll have a chance, right? And we can get up and, and keep fighting. So how is salvation act like a helmet. Well, in Psalm 27.1, not on your notes, make a note out to the side, Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When you go into battle, do you think that fear is a good thing? Well, it might be in some situations. We all have a certain level of fear, but when you have salvation in the spiritual fight, guess what? Nothing can touch you, man. Sorry, I'm going to heaven. I'm spending forever with God. So you can kill the body, but you can't fill, kill the soul. In fact, Jesus said to a group of guys, he said, don't fear those who can kill the body, right? But fear the one who can kill both body and soul in hell. Whoa, right? Salvation remedies that. You fear the Lord, you come to Christ. You say yes to the person and work of Jesus, the gospel, right? You get a helmet of salvation when that comes on, right? You're going to heaven. So there's no fear of death. Oh, death, where is your sting? You know, I'm not going to fear what's going to happen to me. I'm okay. I will be eternally okay after this vapor of a life is over, right? A lot of confidence in that. All right, let's look at our next, our next weapon, second to the last one. I must possess a spiritual sword, right? So take the helmet of salvation, and in the same sentence, it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, right? So you got, a, you got an offensive weapon, right? Sword can be, defense, can be defensive. You can use a sword to parry a blow, but then a sword can defeat your opponent. Now, in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4.12, it's not in your notes, but make a little note. Hebrews 4.12, right? It says this about your sword. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, the background on that, where it talks about this living supernatural sword, which is God's word, right? When you penetrate, right, with a thrust, penetrates, right? That point, that tip, it's sharper than if, if a soldier is gonna graze you with the edge of the sword, because you have large bone, shields, um, that edge of the sword isn't going to fall your opponent, all right? Especially one that's armored up. But in, in the first century, what a Roman soldier trained with was a, they, they had a little lighter sword, not a long one, and they would use heavy swords, you know, and train with heavier ones so that when they, they pulled their sword, which was a little shorter, but man, it was deadly because they trained to to thrust, not graze on the side. And, and, and just like a Roman soldier knew that if he could just get through uh, to that chest or that area, two, three inches, it's over. Rendered the judgment. A living person would now die. In the same way, 
In Hebrews 4.12, it says that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates. Why does it penetrate? To make a judgment. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It gives you an answer inside when we read God's Word. And so when we're attacked by evil and we have the Word of God, we can thrust the Word of God right back at a lie from the devil. And it's going to make a judgment, all right? We're not going to graze the situation. We want evil to fall, evil thoughts, evil strategies, evil schemes, evil missiles, right? Evil people. Boom, with the word of God. You thrust the word of God. That's why it's so important, even as Roman soldiers would train with their swords over and over and over again, get really good at thrusting. We got to be in this book. We got to know this book. Why? So we can take it out of the scabbard of our heart and thrust it right into the heart of that liar, right? A rationalization, a justification. There are some of you where you, you avoid training with the Word of God because you don't want to confront the lie. But I'm just telling you right now as your brother in Christ, you've got to bring this into your battle right now. Go find God's mind on what you're struggling with Look at it, internalize it, write it down several times, commit it to memory, and then, here it is, guys, speak it. Especially when that temptation comes in that area that you struggle in. Speak God's mind in that, right? I know a lot of us struggle with sexual stuff, right? That's every man. I certainly did and still do, you know, guarding my mind, guarding my eyes. And I remember there was a season of my life where I wouldn't go take a shower without quoting Galatians 5.16. I brought my sword. Where? Into the shower. Can you believe it? I would say Galatians 5.16 until at the beginning, during the middle, shampoo, soap, wash rag, rinse. I'd be saying Galatians 5.16. Why? Because I didn't want to give in to the flesh, right? I was, I was battling evil, right? I would say, so I say, live by the Spirit. You will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Boom. Just putting God's word, thrusting God's word into the heart of the lie that would say, hey, you're by yourself. Hey, you can, you, you can do whatever you want to do in here. Nobody's here. It doesn't hurt anybody. All right? You're not sleeping with a girl. Yeah, but I'm training myself to indulge my flesh. That's not God's plan. All right? So I'm giving you a real raw example, okay, that guys understand that you can bring the sword of the Spirit into any situation, any relationship, any temptation. Lastly, I must possess a, a praying spirit, all right? And this is, this is a new passage of scriptures. It's just the extension from verse 17, which we just read. Ephesians 6, 18 to 20 says this, and pray in the Spirit when? On all occasions, all right? With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me that so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now there's a territory taker. There's Paul, and he's just like, hey, man, I feel like a special forces guy in a kill box. 
uh, and I'm, I'm combat controlling, all right? And I need close air support. What does that look like? Prayer, suppression fire, prayer, right? You know, uh, a gunship flying above, right? Prayer is the equivalent of comms in warfare. My friend, Damon, Damon Friedman, he was an Air Force combat controller, man. And he talks about being in a kill box and being responsible for calling in fire to defeat a ton of bad guys, outnumbered. And just having a, a moment where it all just wraps the battle, bullets are flying, and then he just, with clarity, he, man, he, he calls it in. It's just, he starts getting, but he had to call it in. There are some of you right now, you need God's supernatural close air support. You need to call it in. You say, Lord, I need help. I need you to, to take out, Lord, this, this situation. I need you. I can't do it. I'm not able. But from heaven, I need power to flow toward me from heaven so that I can love my wife. I need power to flow toward me, to keep certain forces out of my life. I need power from heaven to love my, my kids. I need power from heaven, right? Not to hang around a certain set of guys and say no to hanging out with those guys because they're, they're doing stuff that just takes me to a dark place and it's dark actions. Right? There are guys listening. You need to call it in. You need to have a praying spirit, right? And that's the beauty. As we walk earth, we have comms. We have access to the Father. The Bible says we can approach the throne of grace boldly. What's that? Comms. How do we exercise comms? How do we access our seat, our being seated with Christ and access and authority now? We pray. What's going on in your life that requires prayer? Where do you want to see God's blessing? That requires prayer. Have a praying spirit. Now, if you haven't gotten this yet, we're in a fist fight in a phone booth. We're in a fight with evil. And if you don't know you're in a fight with evil, you're going to be a casualty of evil. But if you're appreciating God's word right now and the danger, when you appreciate and understand the danger, three things happen. And it goes right to what we talked about. Number one, you get intimate with your spiritual weapons. Okay? When you know there's danger, it's like, man, I need that. I need that. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, right? Sword of the spirit, shield of faith, shoe your feet with the gospel, right? You got to get intimate with all of those. So, so dive in, understand what those things are and why they're important to turn the tables on evil in your life, in your marriage, your family, your neighborhood, your city, all right? Secondly, when you appreciate and understand the danger, you train with your weapons, all right? Train with them. You know, ask any, ask any Marine, any armed services guy, any Army infantryman. Man, they sleep with that rifle. They know that rifle. They shoot that rifle. They clean that rifle. They can take apart that rifle. That rifle is their best friend. 
whatever rifle they have, whatever the favorite one of their choosing is. Doesn't matter whether you're Marine Special Forces or Air Force Special Forces or Navy SEALs or, or Army Infantry, man, you have your favorite rifle. That I do know, okay? And they train with it. Got trained with this, right? Sword of the Spirit. Got trained with your faith, right? You got to train with the gospel. You got to share your faith. That's training with the gospel. You got to train in truth, being real comfortable with the truth in reality, right? You got to train with your weapons. Number three, when you understand and appreciate the danger, you use your spiritual weapons, all right? Spiritual weapons are given so spiritual weapons can be used, right? So that all depends on whether you think or feel we're in a spiritual battle. Earth is war, right? Jesus came to earth to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, look it up. The Son of Man appeared in this broken, fallen world, unredeemed, to destroy the works of the devil. That's the language. And if Jesus, that same Jesus, who came from heaven to earth to destroy the works of the devil, lives in you, what do you think we're supposed to be involved in? We're supposed to be turning the tables on evil. So, question. Will you be God's man who turns the tables on evil? Will you be a God's man that turns the tables on evil? Or are you no threat? To evil. You're not even on the board, right? Because you don't understand the battle that you're in, so therefore you're neutral. Okay, you're already neutralized if you don't believe that we are in a spiritual battle. But if you're activating right now, or you've been activated and you're ready to use your weapons, you want to turn the tables on evil? Let's follow this acrostic F I G H T and let's go turn some tables on evil. The F in fight is face the reality of evil, okay? Personal devil hates you, hates Jesus, hates the church, hates God's purposes, wants to put people in bondage. He wants to lie to them and he wants to destroy them and send them into eternity forever separated from God. And here's the weird thing. He thinks he's going to win and he's already lost. He thinks he's going to win, but he's already lost. You gotta face the reality of that. Believe in a personal Jesus, gotta believe in a personal devil. If you account for God and God's word and his plan for your life, you gotta account for the devil, his plan, and his schemes, which the Bible gives us his playbook, okay? So face the reality of evil. I, in fight, is integrate God's intelligence. Hello, here's your intel dossier on the devil, how he works, how he attacks, Numerous situations. His playbook is tiny, but it works so well what he does, right? But if we're not aware of what he does, his strategies, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. Watch Jesus fight the devil in Luke 4 and Matthew 4. We got to integrate God's intelligence and training, all right? That's the I in fight. G, grow your awareness. Not everything in your life is from the devil. There's not a demon under every walk. Sometimes it's just life. But a lot of times, Satan exploits the, the broken things, the losses, the traumas. He's right behind the things that bring us down because he knows when we're down and we're walking around with negative emotions. He can lie into a man who's feeling down or feeling bad or feeling angry or feeling sad right? 
He can lie into that man much better if that man is unaware that there's an exploiter of the situation, right? Satan loves to kick people when they're low. He knows he's watching your film. He knows when you're vulnerable. He knew when Jesus was vulnerable. So we have to grow our awareness, right? We have to be alert, the Bible says. It's sort of like having night vision, goggles on, right? Where we see the unseen, we see movement, right? Night vision goggles, right? The H in fight is handle your weapons well. Become skilled with truth. Become skilled with God's word. Become skilled with living God's way, righteousness. Become skilled wearing your helmet of salvation and letting that sink in and move from here to here and let it give you confidence, all right? Become skilled in, in, in knowing what the gospel is, the person and work of Christ, and sharing the gospel and helping people say yes to the person and work of Christ. Have a praying spirit. Have the word of God in your heart to pull out and to thrust deeply into the heart of any compromising thought or lie. The T in fight is take my stand. So where you see evil, when you see evil, God will call you to say, no, enough, no more and no further. God is calling you to turn the tables on evil inside of you, around you, in your family, in your marriage, but you gotta see it, you gotta recognize it, and you gotta confront it God's way. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have equipped us to win. Thank you, Jesus, you won ultimately and eternally at the cross. You resurrected, you proved you were God, you ascended into heaven, you told everybody who believed in you that we would spend forever there with you, and that's our future, but now, while we're still on earth, we need to fight. Lord, your word says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. God, thank you for being with us in the battle. Thank you for equipping us to win it. Thank you that you gave us weapons, supernatural ones, that, good, that are good, to demolish and destroy the works of the devil in people's minds, in our minds, in our world. Lord, that we would get intimate with our weapons, that we would train with our weapons, and that we would use our weapons and take territory back from the evil one in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, to the glory of God until we see you again and experience ultimate victory in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said, amen. God bless you.